Even as I said that, I hoped it wasn't true. And another part of me hoped it really wasn't her. But of course it was her. Otherwise, I wouldn't be telling the story, would I? Reckless book series. Book one, Reckless. Book two, Friend of the Devil. Book three, Destroy All Monsters. Written by Ed Brubaker. Art by Sean Phillips. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast, Pulpy Hero, is the one, the only. Did I go looking for trouble? No, but it always seemed to find me. Travis Rats here. All right, welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast, where Travis and I delve deep into graphic novels and trades, or we talk the BS about what's going on in comic books and pop culture and nerd movies and all that good stuff. You are on a comic book club come comic book club episode uh and it is a triple header triple header travis and i read all three books of the reckless trilogy that came out this year uh by ed brubaker on uh writing it sean phillips on art and jacob phillips covering it all three graphic novels that came out on image comics this year they call them a reckless book. Three different titles. Destroy All Monsters is the last one that's on a hardcover in front of me. The other two are not in front of me. They're reckless digital. is the first one. I believe it is uh, the title debut. It's Reckless, Just reckless Friend yeah. of the Devil and Destroy All Monsters are the first right. three of a continuing thing, Josh. There's yeah, going to be something they, coming out in April. They said they want to do this again, and I... It's already I on Amazon pre-order, baby! It, I, let's, let's, let's just talk about... I mean, this is sort of my hopes and dreams for the comic book industry. Yes, isn't can it? I, can I just say, like, this is what I want. If you could do three trades a year, essentially 12 issues, if you really want to get in there, I guess if you were a, uh, a prolific artist... And maybe you could do, I maybe you were doing 15 issues or something like that, whatever it is. But this is the format that warms my heart, Travis. This is what I need from the world of comic books is three graphic novels a year, tying this kind of big story together. I love it. Here's what it does for us, Josh, as trade yeah. waiters. It removes yeah. the guilt of trade waiting. Right. It's like we're not we're not trade waiting. We are just waiting for the next new uh, uh, next graphic novel series, drop. man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like you're. Uh, here's the thing: uh, the hardcovers of these are are are, are beautiful. Oh God, um, I've got I've got my the yeah. only one I have in hardcover is Destroy All Monsters. I bought that one in hardcover, and then I was like, oh, we're gonna do all three. I'll get the other two digital right now, but I'm hoping for a big sweet three omnibus all three of that's them what we were talking about i was i was at first i was like oh you know what i'll just do these digitally and i'll order the big omnibus but here's the thing josh 
I kind of like looking at that, the thickness of that and everything yeah. like that. I think I just want a shelf of like so I can pick the one I want to reread. I want to read yeah. this is my favorite. No, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, that's good. And I, we know like, that those omnibuses can get a bit wieldy in the bed at night. They can. I have the fade out, uh, Ed Brook Baker, Sean Phillips. Uh, it was three, I think it's three trades in an omnibus. It's a little big and it might have been nice, but they didn't come in a nice hardcover. That's the other thing, too, is like because these are just graphic novels, they just put them out like this. You get a nice little hardcover on there. It's good. It's dirty. The colors in it are gorgeous, but we'll get there. So let's just yeah. let. So, so uh, I want to talk about this continuing because Brubaker has been yeah. doing the podcast circuit like nobody's business this fall. He's been jumping on all kinds of podcasts. And next episode, he'll be... No, he's not. Yeah. He's not on our show. I think he commented on our fade out uh, uh, did. talk a he while did. ago. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Brubaker, we love you. Brubaker. Um, and so uh, he's been on the doing the podcast circuit and he's been talking about this new way of doing comics. How they had... It, it really kind of started with Pulp. Oh, no. Actually, uh, All My Heroes Are Junkies was the first one that they released as kind of like that graphic novel because Criminal yeah. and, and Fade Out, they were compiled into that stuff. So yeah. when we talk about um, uh, writing something as a, a graphic novel, it opens up this whole new world. And because they have the cachet with their name and their creative team, Sean Phillips and Ed Brubaker, they have yeah. their built-in audience. So well, they, they have a brand, right? Yeah. It's a brand. You like yeah. you don't have to convince me to buy your single issue. I will buy a trade with four or five issues with your story in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's they have a brand and their brand is wonderful. And this is, I feel, the the perfect medium for that. You know, so so Pulp Pulp really uh, busted out because I want a bunch of Eisners and Josh and I were going to do that, but a bunch of podcasts had already done it, so we just read it and I loved it. And it was very good. Yeah, uh, Bad Weekend was another one he did in that mm -hmm. same style. Also, all of my heroes are junkies. Kind of three in that vein. Not really connected, but you know, he he and Brubaker or Brubaker and Phillips just they do this. They are crime noir crime story guys and they are fantastic at it yeah and so i guess they did this with reckless and they undersold how much they were going to print so that first run of reckless is a, it's a whole different um paper stock it's like super thick he said and everything like that and now they're they're really oh it just sold out like immediately these books are selling out pre-orders on amazon and and yeah. on the day so uh they're really kind of still discovering how to how to go about doing these uh one-off graphic novels yeah. especially when you could do something like reckless which can't, has the possibility to be this kind of endless continuing series the way you would have like pulp novels back in right, the day right which yeah. i love yeah. so should we talk it's, about the premise yeah. oh go ahead please yeah no like i yeah let's talk about the premise i mean the premise is uh sort of a ethan reckless ethan reckless a ex f cia fbi like embedded in, uh, in also the 70s josh I'm a I'm a I'm a Dodia brat. I'm a I'm a I'm an army yeah. brat. And this guy grew up like well, Brubaker himself grew up as an army brat. Yeah. So he was in Gitmo. He was like probably in Germany and maybe even Tokyo and Korea and those places. So I and even there's an essay in the back where he talks about that. Oh my yeah. gosh, it melted my heart, Josh. Because you're like, <laughs> you know, you're from Michigan. So like when yeah. uh, when Michigan stuff gets brought up, you're like, this guy's from Michigan. I don't yeah. get that a lot. I don't right. get to have like. This yeah. creator came from the same roots as me. And what a better creator, a better <laughs> writer to be like, I see you, Brubaker. 
And and so like you've got this story of um ends up he's a private detective now, but he was in uh he was a government agent, was undercover working during Vietnam, kind of infiltrating the hippie, hippie trippy realm sort of stuff, right? Uh and washes out of that and then is now, you know, he lives in an abandoned uh, in an abandoned movie theater, yeah, the L, Dor- not the El Dorado, but like the L, uh, oh, the yeah, L Ricar- Ricardo, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. So, like, he lives in he lives in this place. He runs his private eye business out of this. In fact, that's how he got paid one time was by helping someone who just said, "Yeah, man, you can have the theater. It's yours." They were going to tear it down, and but now he just lives in it and runs his business. Yeah, out he's of a it. reluctant PI. Yeah, he's like a he's a a surfer, like a very beachy California yeah. kind of guy. Um, and this is just three stories. Each book is a story of one of his cases, right? Mm-hmm. This is the perfect format for this, that it, it is just as pulpy as it can be, but also, and be, and with that, there's a good bit of like California history in there right. and, you know, a little bit of all these things in there that you can feel this feels California. This feels of the time period, right? Right. There's this author named Don Winslow. He wrote like The Savages, but uh, he did two books called uh, The Dawn Patrol and The uh, Gentleman's Hour, which are about this private detective who's also a surfer in San Diego. Uh, and Or is it might have been Venice Beach, too. And so... And then as you look into this and you kind of explore it around, this almost is a subgenre within the P.I. genre. The P.I. noir genre is the surfing California detective. It's like well, it's very cowboy, right? Like yeah. it's instead of a horse, it's a surfboard, right? It's a very sort of that California surfer is a trope. It's an American trope. It's right. Beach Boys. It's you know what I mean? We just watched. uh remember the titans and there's like the guy from california who starts playing for that football team right and he's got the long blonde hair and he's doing tai chi right it's this very sort of tropey character in american pulp cult in american pop culture that when you it's it's a juxtaposition between that and a hard-boiled detective right right and you get to play with that more so i think it, you're absolutely right it is i didn't think about it as like that amalgam for the west like the new yeah. west right the, right be, beyond the border the pacific ocean uh but also it is a with Brewbreaker's age and like don winslow's age and stuff like that it is a great pop cultural uh divide between we're using the old 1940s noir story type but we're using the pop culture aesthetic yes. of their teenage years. Right, of the late 70s, late 70s, early 80s, 80s sort of aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but I it, think it's it a is. great combination. It's a little bit, they're a little bit older than I was, so uh, than that, but it's it hits all my sweet spots as far as aesthetic and the Western, as you mentioned, and yeah, noir, it, man. Yes. Right, it feels very sort of like it, they weave a very good tale that kind of like starts in one place. And then we go back and we tell you how he gets there. That happens in kind of yeah. each book. Like you expect the record to go. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're probably wondering how I got here. Let me tell you. Right. So, but you it's could, not like that, but it feels like that. You, you could tell I mean? that Josh and I are, uh, we both like this book. Like we, yeah. we're excited to talk about this book. This is, this is, you know, every now and then you read like a, a graphic novel or something like that. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is a kind of 
not that the other stuff was bad, but it was the best thing I've read in a long time. And it's these all, are the and this these are three of the best things I've read in a long time. Yeah, and <laughs> and looked at and lo- and visually looked at in a yes. long time. So today so, we're kind of going to gush about it and talk about what we think makes this work. But let's talk about our protagonist, uh, Ethan yeah. Reckless, and. Uh, uh, how that character fits into the the, the comic zeitgeist, the pop zeitgeist. Uh, what do we what do we feel about him as like our what do they call the I don't watch him uh, Jack ba- not Jack Bauer I guess like a like that what's the um, you know like a like a John Grisham character that you see for yeah like 50 or kind books. of Perry Mason yeah. you know like he's that he's that you know it, it this is a thing in American culture whether it's Kojak or Perry Mason like this detective. This sort of whether it's a PI or it's a police detective or it's some sort of like vigilante, whatever, however you want to run it, is this piece of American pop culture. And and, and I'm sure you could go down a rabbit hole of, of why it exists and where it comes from. But I, I think Brubaker taps into this sort of this Brubaker and Phillips, they tap into this sort of moral gray area that we love in pop culture. We love an anti-hero or we love a hero who's not, you know, a hundred percent, you know, he's not coming in with the white hat. Right. So if you think about like, there was this switch in, in, in Westerns where it was always white hat, black hat. Then you had Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. Right. You had this sort of like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Right? Like, what is that? The seventies, the seventies film hero, Peter Peter Fonda, and you know what I mean. You, you think of all these guys that that came out during that time. You think of like on the waterfront and and you know, Marlon Brando and these sort of things. And he he feels like that seventies era protagonist fits yeah. in perfect, right? Um, almost. If you boosted it a couple more years, he's almost Magnum P.I. Right. You know what I mean? There is there's the character who doesn't follow a code, but develops their own code and follows that. So they're right. still they still have that loyalty to a principle, right. but it's a principle that they've created. If Magnum P.I. were more of a slacker, it feels like that's yeah, what this yeah. character. If Magnum P.I. was character. directed by Richard Linkletter. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I like it is the it is kind of a a, a wonderful character for it, it feels incredibly pulpy. He's a great character, but um, you root for him, and he's got a good you know a good sidekick with him the entire time, right? Like you and I, it's that she's Anna, that manic yeah. pic, she's that manic pixie dream girl sort of in that in this Pre- right. She's yeah, she like starts just, very punk rock, yeah. and then I think the thing that's the greatest that feels really cool about these three is that they feel like they happen over time. And so Anna's hair changes, her style changes, where she's at in life changes. Uh, He's still, uh, he's still this arrested development. Yeah. Right. As, as Ethan reckless, but she is changing throughout each three books. It was a fun sort of way to play with time. I love the, uh, uh, how she wanted to really show the decline of Western civilization. Yes. in the movie theater, which is so <laughs> right. of that early '80s, like that was like a huge do- that was a huge breakthrough for through for punk rockers. Yeah. And again, like it's almost like they're sitting down and writing this book for us, Josh. And and he's like, you can't do that. They're gonna destroy the movie theater. Yeah, right. Like this it's thing like if they're gonna you have old movies, noir, cowboys, <laughs> and punk rock, Josh. 
I know. Get it's out just, of here, man. I just like it is this sort of really good story. He's a great sort of character, even when he, he gets himself and like all. I mean, everything's very tropey. There's no way around it. Yeah, you can't not tell a story like this without tropes because that's what it's based on. I, I was just I was just telling you before the before we were doing this. Um, I'm playing a video game black sad which is based on the 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 you know series of graphic novels about the you know the detective cat and it's they all have this very sort of like you can hear each of them talk when you read it and you can the the voiceover the noir sort of like i wasn't expecting this to happen you know like mm -hmm. i just killed a man with an axe but <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it just it feels very good so let, let's talk about um out of the three stories, the first story really revolves around sort of he what his past in the FBI was like, right? Or CIA. I can't remember right. which one it was. There's but... a couple of a, a key incident in there is that he was uh, involved with this group and uh, as an FBI undercover detective or CIA. very much the like the weather underground, right? That sort of the weatherman group. Right. Uh, and you know, blowing up bank buildings and but stuff like he that. He does get he does he is involved in this this bomb attack, and that bomb yeah. kind of shakes him up, and where he actually kind of loses a lot of memory. And that marks the shift of this character from kind of following his path as what would be considered the more traditional American FBI like agent right. story to this uh it's and it, it does track with people who suffer a lot of uh, head trauma how all of a right. sudden their course of life changes on there so that's kind of like our Brubaker and Phillips leading us into oh this is how we can uh, give them all this training and, and knowledge and then how we can subvert it yeah how do we break him out of being the 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 white hat good guy right exactly. how do we take him from being the white hat cowboy in to that, that 70s and that uh and that uh bomb uh explosion is mentioned in the other it's uh, you could read these books individually and be fine that's really right. one of the only through lines that and his relationship with anna that is um and he's slowly building some stuff up uh but we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I would say on. they they go really well as a as a three-part series, but they individually they're like pulp books. You could pick it up and grab it and read it. You'd be is fine. The, they each tell like one tale of his cases. Is you know? the only time we see him in his present state as the narrator at the end of the third book when he talks about Anna? Yes. yes. That's the only time in that third book you see him as a as an older man. That was right? a kind of a nice topper of being like, okay, these three are are very much together and now we're going to progress yeah, the story you could, later. You could yeah. play a you could play around with a story in any in any different way. You could go back and fill in spots. You could you could take it in a different direction and I really I really kind of I really kind of like that. Um but I out of the th the three books, the first book kind of introduces you to Ethan Reckless, gives you this sort of how does he have all this training? How does he know what he's doing? This sort of CIA FBI background. Uh, then the next book kind of is a more of a political cult. No cult, uh, a cult book kind of. Right. But yeah, it's yeah. also, it's like, a cult Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The city council mayor sort of thing. So it's politics and that, that 80, that late seventies, early eighties, uh, satanic panic. Right. Yeah. That sort of thing that was going on. Uh, but at Manson, sort of a Charles Manson, -y sort of, thing in california with the cult uh and then the third book is uh really this sort of um 
The third book is the one that relies the most on the previous stories where right. it is really about the relationship between him and his uh, uh, assistant, Anna. Uh, and But they also weave in that um, uh, gentrification kind of power, oh, like no, yeah, uh, that, real yeah. estate politics. Uh, so that's, yeah. the, that's the councilman uh, yeah. issue. Yeah. But don't worry, like two of them have orgies involved in them. So we're yeah. good. we, so we check that box. It, it works well, yeah. There's there's a couple orgies in each one, but I, like it, each story has a really, it there's there's, it has a bite of history in there, yeah. and for me, I love that. It's I a genre of, of history, occult, right? Uh, real estate, uh, uh, uh like militia drug groups. trade, right? Yeah. M- militia groups and drug trade and drug trafficking and all of that, and it and it very much plays in that in that wonderful sort of genre pool, which is doesn't really, s- yeah. It doesn't really subvert it at all, right? There's yeah. nothing about it that really makes me go, "Oh, that was that was new," right? I accept. I, I it just plays in this sort of instead of this sort of like, I think I, I think the thing it plays on is this sort of like countercultury. He's more counterculture than other yeah yeah that's heroes good... in this in this genre, and that's mm-hmm. about. That's that's a really the big difference. For you him. you make an interesting point about you know we're gushing about this book, but the elements aren't anything new. As I said, like the character itself, that surfer private eye, that's not even a new concept, right? Uh, the uh, uh, I the... am an FBI agent, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Like... Yeah. <laughs> nor nor is the uh, subjects they're tackling, whether it be militia. Uh, 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 revolutionary groups or the occult or you know 80s Drug real estate trade. yeah like, like i can see him sense, doing yeah. like japan panic you know easily in there and so it doesn't feel like anything new even story wise or even story beat wise so what do you think josh that brew baker is doing and sean these is are, do it doing besides the art which we're going to talk to these, i mean that's a these whole guys thing. these guys are just at the at the top of their game and it's nothing it's not anything new in the genre it is just the most polished very good version of it right like we read a million stories about post-apocalypse this last year right we've read crime stories before on this podcast we've read a whole bunch of things in this flair we've read other stuff watch tv shows about this but this feels it's just done really really well from the writing to the art to the colors the production of it is just really good and it and that's what it is right like uh, was it two years ago and i had mentioned perry mason that hbo perry mason series came out nothing new nothing groundbreaking looks a lot like boardwalk empire right it's not like it's new costume design or anything like that there's a you know there's a a video game that was called LA Noir. It all feels very much in that frame. It was just done really, really well. And I think that's what this is. It's just a hamburger is good. Or let's talk about my favorite food. Pizza, pizza. is always good. There is no bad pizza. I don't even care. I would even eat a tombstone, the Totino's pizzas, those little yeah, round things. Those, those hit the spot, baby. A little Tabasco right. on that bad boy. But when you have a very, very good pizza, you are like, oh, this is this is magical, right? It's not, it doesn't have to do anything different. It doesn't have to be really amazing. There's a there's a pizza place in town called Mike's Pizza, and they literally just do a cheese pizza 
with salami on it instead of pepperoni. It's like big old pieces of salami. It's not anything special. It's nothing like out of the ordinary. It's just made really, really well. And so you're like, I want that. That's what this is. It's just made really well. Well, I think especially uh, here, here's what we have in Brewbaker. We have a, a writer who's really good, has a long lineage with comics writing super, you know, like superhero stuff and, and things like that. But now he's really focused in, he's gotten his, his brand and stuff to the place where he can write what he wants to write. And he, he right. so you have a good writer who is now writing what, the, he's now being able to make a living off of what he wants to write and he t- can do really well. And then right. you have Sean Phillips, whose art style is just, Oh gosh, it is. He's so good. He's so good, especially for this genre. And so it's uh, Brubaker could write a novel, N- no, no images, and he could write this as as a novel, right? Yeah. Uh, the the Reckless series, and it would yeah. sell just like Don's Winslow stuff. But when you add Sean Phillips into it, it's you add these visuals it just to elevates it, elevates so it even it, more, man. It's 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 allowing you to have a film of this like it, it's a whole it is it is the best noir I, this is my favorite sean phillips and ed brubaker stuff i'm gonna say it right now i'm gonna I, say it I, right it now. is i really do love the fade out but this is so good it, it is really it feels top of the game it's not a so the fade out is this sort of murder mystery right and it lands but i don't i don't love mysteries not, none of these is a mystery it's just a straight up like crime thrillery pulpy right. adventure right you're you're not trying to be like oh who is the murderer here right like it kind of plays with that but that's not the point of it right right um it just does a really good crimey adventure pi story yeah it just seems like they're evolving all the way from criminal to to this and those are all great pieces of work but this yeah. just seems to uh it's it's just that thing you can go to, and I love it how it's so snackable. Like you, like yeah. we, we talked about, like once they have like six of these out, you're gonna have six different of these things on your shelf, and you can pull your favorite one out, right? You can, you, uh, and you can read it for the story, or you can pull your least favorite one out and just look at the art because um, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and I will tell you, there isn't in these three books, there isn't a dud. I enjoyed all of them. I thought all the stories were really good. I think. The one, Destroy All Monsters, the last one, is the one that I think it it didn't, not that it didn't hit for me, but it 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 relied, I think, too much on, like, this sort of back and forth between him. Which and, one was that? Him. That's the one with him and no, no, Anna, wait, right? No, no, wait, name the, the third one. Oh, destroy, the third one. Yeah. destroy All Monsters. Yeah, that, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it, but it's the one that was... A little more relationshipy, a little more like. I really like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, but I liked it. But it, I, for me, I was like, okay, we're on this sort of like this pitch of like, here's this thing, and I think maybe the case that's the is way... secondary in that story, right? Yeah, the case is secondary in that one, and that's not bad. I, I, I enjoyed all of it. it just felt very like. Maybe that's the subversion of the three books, right? Like, yeah. for them, they're like, this is how we wrap it up if we want. They didn't know how these were going to sell, right? Yeah, they yeah. put them all, they wrote them all, they started putting them out this year. Um, they didn't know how they were going to sell. So this is a way for them, this was a way for them to put a bow on all of it and go, okay, we did three of them. They sold okay, we won't do it again, right? Yeah. But it gives them the space to go like, 
these are gangbusters and we let's we can go back to it if we want i that third one i think is gonna be so important because that third one made me really appreciate the connection between him and anna his assistant and at the end mm-hmm. when he says like but that's not how she dies but that's a story for a different day now yeah. i i'm so invested in their relationship and that character of her like when when or when she goes if, if she goes or, yeah yeah like it's gonna be so much more profound because right. he sacrificed some of the excitement of the case that we saw in one and two for building yeah. that relationship. It's all a give and take, right? It's like, what well, do I have sure. to build in this? And I thought that was an interesting one. And it'll be interesting to look back, because I'm going to tell you this, Josh. We're going to have to do like specials every time one of these books comes out where we're going to have yes. to just be like yeah. the next reckless issue. This yeah. is going to be yeah. a thing now. And it'll be <laughs> interesting to see how many of these come out before they quit um and looking at well where... they've been doing criminal for a long time yeah. you could piece all the criminal together and you'd have a giant collection of stuff so this just lets them tell stories in a different world for a little bit instead of cranking out books in the criminal world they get to crank out books in this world and have fun with this and play with this genre um you know and, and do it that way and i'm here for it man i'm here for it give it to me yeah, so, like, we, we, you know, like we're still a little bit early in the episode, but we're not picking favorite panels this time. We're going to pick a favorite uh, series. And so it might take a little bit to talk about all we like about it. I want you to start, Josh. Which yeah. of these three? Um, I liked all three of them. I think you liked all three of them. But which of them really did it for you? You know, I, in, in all honesty, the, the first one did it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the first one. It's the setup book. Um, it It kind of gives you all the things. And for me, as a former as an American history teacher who used to teach about weather underground when we did Vietnam war and we would talk about the protest movement every time I did a, every time I would, I, we would talk about um, any war in American history, we would kind of do what was the protest movement look, look like? What was the anti-war movement look like? Even when we went back and, and did world war one, there was a, there was a protest movement in world war, you know, each of these sort of things, this sort of anti-war movement. And so, for me to kind of this book to tap into that piece of history for this book to kind of live in this world. And this is the book where you get like, you know, you, you get his punk rock sidekick, you get to meet uh, Anna, you get to meet his punk rock sidekick. You get this sort of like, you get to meet Ethan reckless. And for me, it was, it had everything in that first series Um, from, from background to a really interesting sort of like, um case it wasn't mystery mystery but it was mystery enough of like well who is this get this former love interest and all of that so i really thought the first one was my was my favorite was my favorite of it right um i will tell you though i think i don't know how it's possible and i don't know if like what what philip's schedule looks like but i thought the art in destroy all monsters was the best art out of all three of them and i'm not sure why I, I wonder. Know. I wonder if because I, I, I wonder how much of it was done before really the pandemic set in. I wonder if you have more time on your hands and you can't go anywhere. Like you could just sit and and just hit, knock out panels and panels and panels. Uh, you yeah. get a better sense of uh, of your characters. Uh, the colors uh, I think get better too. Um, uh, more atmospheric. Um, yeah. Uh, that first one is really great with the colors because there's a lot of desert stuff going on there, and that's right. always really great. Um, uh, so number one, all right, I, I I do I do like number one because I like all three of them. It is probably if I had to order them, I'd put it last. 
Really? Yeah. All right. But I agree with everything you said. It's hard to put like the first one last. It'd be like putting Raiders of the Lost Ark last, right? Uh, <laughs> like where you meet the character and stuff like that in this kind of yeah. serial form. Uh, and I was so excited to read the second one after the first one. So it definitely did its job. Um, I would say it was a toss up between uh, two and three. I'm going to pick two. Uh, because you like a good satanic orgy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's. Like you know, I always mention. I think it's the Ennis in me. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Ennis in me. Uh, the Constantine in me uh, likes this. Uh, I always like the that exploration of late seventies and eighties uh, um, occult. Uh, well, and it's that that film. Like it's the the sort of snuff film and this mm-hmm. weird sort of like. That one was, I mean, that plays with all these little pieces. Like, it's the nerd who runs the film store, right? I liked, like, I liked their relation. I liked his relationship with. I actually did really like. I might have to read that first one again because that was the first one I read, and that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I might, I might, I might change it. I might agree with you. Uh, but I like the female protagonist, number two, the librarian who helps him out yeah. with her case. Yeah. But she's not the femme fatale. I, I was glad they didn't weave her into being like the catalyst for this whole thing. It was right. just, it was, he helps her out because, and he knew that it was like, hey, there's this great part where he talks about the relationship and he says, you know, we knew, he goes, I had a sense it wouldn't last, but I wasn't thinking about that. We were just doing it day by day. And then she yeah. brings up this thing as he's watching this movie in the movie theater and um about her her sister and we get that that history of a really interesting history about you know what happens to people in you know when they move from one country to another and they marry a military person they come in and they have to give up their career um and i just thought it was a, a really sweet relationship between the two of them and at the end it was so bittersweet because the relationship couldn't go on he did the right thing. He helped her out because he loved her. But in doing right. so, he presented that thing that's like, you're always going to be the guy yeah. who showed me the death. Showed her, yeah. Of my, of and my I, also, I also thought about, like, why are you showing her this video? Yeah. And why would she want to watch it? And I love how he's like, this is the second time I watched it. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Have you ever? I, I I can't do it. I would never watch like. Uh, remember how they had no. those decapitation videos on there? I don't want it. It shouldn't be on the internet. I I don't want to see that shit because you can't unsee it. So right. I I I completely got it when she was like, I can't I can't do this anymore. You're always gonna be yeah. that guy, and he takes yeah. it. Like I love yeah. Ethan Reckless, and he mentions it in the third book. He talks about I am not good with relationships because, uh uh, you know. Uh, I just, I'm not good at calling. I'm not good at this. And he goes, the thing about getting older, because in the third book, he's the same age I am. He's 37. He talks about his body aching and stuff like that. And he says, the one thing about getting older that is good is that you learn how to let go of stuff. You know that that uh, uh, relationships, you get over breakups, you get over deaths, and it becomes like a distant memory at some point like it yeah. gets better and he says yeah. he says that and i really like that about the ethan character about how he has all these intense relationships but he's able to let them let them go i want to be ethan reckless josh <laughs> it was it like uh, all three of them are are very good stories like you if if you're listening to this and you're like well, i don't know which one to pick up pick up any of them 
Um, and you'd be good to go on any of those stories. If you want sort of the, you know, the, the weather underground introduction to a character, that's the first one. If you want this sort of like Hollywood, um, satanic cult thing that's that's the second one if you want this sort of politics dirty politics sort of thing that's the third one right like they each play this sort of like i would say since they're all good read them in order go for the first one you should get them all uh but if you're like well i don't know i would say just just read them all yeah i can't wait i can't wait till we talk about who we recommend this to because we got a holiday coming up where gifts are given and i think this has a lot of play um, Everybody. So we let's talk about this, yeah. and before we talk about the art, is uh, Brew Baker. to me, and I really saw it in this book. Uh, I saw him the fade out a little bit when we kind of look at that the story structure of that book. But in this book, he really is. I don't want to say a paint by numbers because that's uh, derivative. Pejorative. Uh, pejorative. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, and um, and derivative in some ways as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but. Um, Every story starts off with you see him at the climax. Yeah. The action climax of it. It's and a very all, sort of it's a very spaghetti western, very yeah. sort of like we you see know, him encountering the antagonist in some yeah. uh and then we we flash back to 6 months How earlier, 2 months yeah. or you know what 2 weeks earlier, whatever it is. Uh and then it's those same story beats like I'm sure if you measured out the pages of when things happen uh, the first, clue, but it's that's pulp, the, baby. Exactly, that's pulp. exactly. And so he, the guy, really has. He really is a fan of pulp. He's really done his research, and he is the embodiment of those 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 writers. But the best of them, it's not like someone it's excellently paced. The pacing of how you do it, it's it's like I said, this is the, this is the craft. Like it's not yeah, it's not you, a crappy version of it. It's it, like the. But you took it all and you boiled it down to the best piece of it. That's what it is. If they were like doing uh, 1940s where they're doing the movie Double Indemnity, right? Like the, yeah. the, the prototypical noir film, right? Yeah. Brubaker stands on those shoulders. Like he, he could have he could have been writing that stuff in the time and we would be looking back at it as cinematic history. That's yeah. how well he knows the story beats of a noir uh, genre. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's not about subverting it. It's not no. about subverting. It's about doing it. It's about it giving really, you the it's best honor. version It's of honoring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even, he's not even involving it. He's just giving you that, like, really well, well. You think about it. I mean, what is, I mean, that sort of pulpy noir, the way you make it your own is setting who, like, what idiosyncrasies do you give your main character and who is <laughs> their, who's their partner in crime, right? Like, like who's their, who's their pal, Right. And then you can plunk them in whatever scenario you want. What's the MacGuffin? What's the thing around them? What's the case? Like you think of Constantine as kind of like a noir, like the early stuff yeah. was, you know? Yeah. He's got his sidekick. He's got his, his. Right. Yeah. Bar. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what it is, is you take your, how do you change the genre or how, what do you do to tweak the genre is just your setting, you, you know, your time period. And just, like I said, whatever idiosyncrasies your character has that's that's how you that's the flavor of it right it's it's chili right yeah but how do you make the chili yours right yeah. do you put peanut butter in it do you put you know like what do you do to do you put beer in your chili like what do you do to make it yours 
Uh, if you're me, you do both. You do beer uh, you, and, and peanut butter and beard. You put a little, you sprinkle a little, a little yeah. beard, a little beard there. hair. That's that's in yeah. everything. Beard. That's in everything I make. I can't get rid of there. Uh, my um, favorite idiosyncrasy, like I like the way you said that, like sprinkling in a little bit, just something off center enough, is the movie theater as his home yeah. base. And it'll it's be great. it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that was one of the heartbreaking things of the third book is when he gives up the movie theater and uh to anna but they do it in a really it's a really great send-off it always belonged to her but but you don't have to you don't have to go to a book after the third book you could go in between you could go yeah. before the first book right like you have room i to think he's i think he's gonna build i think he's gonna build into the early 90s bro i don't know i, I think, think you could go back and just do whatever you want to do with it right yeah, after you, yeah. i think I think you've created these three and then you can just go play in the space. And because nothing happens in the three of them where you're like, Oh man, Ethan lost his hand. Like we know this happens before because he's got it. You know what I mean? It's not the only, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying like a, like a Jason Bourne type thing. Right. Or even like, like there's nothing incredibly life altering for Ethan in those three that you can't, the Go third, the third setup fun. about the uh, a potential death of uh, Anna uh, sets you up for at least like a uh, a nice bow on yeah. it. You could go back yeah. before that, give it a little breather room, a couple of uh, episodes yeah. before that. But it's a it's a really nice setup. So let's talk about the art. Uh, I, I mean, can I start off? Can I start off with before yeah, we get into the panels? Go for it. Um, may, my favorite covers, maybe of oh God, they're good. Freaking all time, dude. I went on immediately and was like, Prince, how can I get prints of these covers to frame and put in my in my place? That's how much <laughs> I like these. Here's what I want to do, Josh. I want to take that same, that, that vanilla white background, uh, mm -hmm. and then I want to, okay, I want to do something, I, I want like our podcast art to be like, <laughs> like this thing. The covers is, are fantastic. The covers are wonderful, man. But I, I don't know, like... I don't know what you can say about Sean Phillips that just isn't incredibly gushy. Yeah. He's just a he this genre fits him perfectly. He's he's very good. He's got a hard line when he needs a hard dark line. He has a he does great shadow work when he needs to, but he also can do sort of intricate facial work when he needs to, right? He he gets to play in all this stuff, but there's a simplicity of his line a lot of times. Um where he gives you just enough and he uses shadow to construct stuff. Like I'm flipping through right now and there's a scene where like, there's like this family playing in there, like uh, some man spraying his son with a hose, right. As he's driving by in his car and like the lines are really simple, but it's just a gorgeous panel. And I can't explain the dad has socks and sandals on and you can tell their socks and sandals. Like he's just, very good at what he does and well you mentioned earlier about like you got your setting you got your idiosyncrasy you got your genre based historical plot and the setting of this is this is venice beach he does venice yeah. beach he does the areas in california very well some of my favorite panels he does are like the dawn patrol stuff where he's he's out yeah. on the water he's in the surfboard the the colors which is not sean phillips but uh so the phillips it's uh it's it's fantastic. I really love that. It really gives you a sense of it. He he uses actual real historic locations uh, in yeah. the L.A. area and tries to re recreate them. 
uh, of that time period, which again, the colors come in and help to establish, you know, when there's a flashback, when there, when we're in the quote unquote present day of the 80s story. And yeah. it, it really helps set this setting. Noir are all about the setting to it. And he didn't fade out. He was a little bit more into like the filmatic idea of noir with like the blinds yeah. and the lighting, you know, kind of coming through there that, um, you know, the smoky rooms and that atmosphere. Right. This one, he changes up a little bit, which fits the 80s really well. But not, it's not, oh, we're in the 80s, so it's neon and arcades and stuff no. like that. It, it would be very yeah. easy when you think of 80s to do the MTV 80s. He doesn't right, do the Right, but this MTV is very 80s. much where he's living and where he's at is is all of the stuff that was built in the fifties in California, what it looked like at the end of the seventies, early eighties. Right. So it's this weathered part of California and which is nostalgic for its own self. Right. Someone who lives in Arizona where everything is very modern, but eventually that, that will not be modern because we won't build those things. You know, well, we won't build like that anymore. And all of our strip malls will look like, the strip malls that were you, in California. You know what I mean? You took a photo next to a place that I've been going to, uh, driving past since 1984 on uh, Wrecker Road. It's the Buckhorn hot, Lodge? Yep. yep. <laughs> I've been driving past that every day for it's like 1984, and it hasn't changed yeah. one bit. And that's a perfect example of a decaying like art deco yeah. of the time period architecture and uh, southwest weird architecture that we have here in arizona that would be that would be your prototypical what it would look like it, it's it's scottsdale baby yeah. like old scottsdale yeah. it's just if you set this you could plunk this down in parts of tucson or scottsdale yeah. and you would have that oh patine yeah yes that patina of it um but uh, look he's a great artist the the colors um by uh are great throughout it sets the mood the colors in the bar are great because he does that play with, you know, Jacob Phillips does that play with sort of like the neon sign, not like neon, like 80s neon, but neon like the Coors yeah, sign. Bob's big boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Like that that piece of it. Um, when there, there's a lot of this that happens in the daytime, which is very un-noir, right? But it's very good. Very California. The, the, it is the because it's always sunny in California, right? Yeah, and then and you exactly. think about yeah, it's, it's, that it's, last... it's not Manhattan. Manhattan, it's at night, right? In right. California, it's in the day. And then you think about the colors and the art. There's a fire scene in the last book. There's a big fire and there's a battle in the fire and there's gas mass and all this stuff. But that fire, the colors and the fire scenes are phenomenal. It's just a gorgeous book. There's no way around it. We can't say it enough. This is like top of your game for each of them. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You know, and you could say this about Sean Phillips, about his character features. I mean, look at the antagonist in the book. The first antagonist is really great because he has that real kind of like Johnny Depp blow yeah. bad guy kind yeah. of look to him with the long hair and the aviators. Uh, but some of them, they start to get a little bit repetitive, a little bit as far as like bearded kind of Eastern, you know, like bad guy. But it does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. I because it 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 just screams Sean Phillips to me. You yeah. know the same way that Steve Dillon, like his characters would start to look the same after a while. Other than his protagonist, you make your protagonist very distinct. 
You make yeah. Anna very distinct, and then like his love interests can start to like you notice how like his love interests in book three uh, kind of look similar to the the tran girl in uh, book two, uh, but that's you know f- functional. It's functional art, you know, yeah. uh, and then everything else is just freaking gorgeous it's it was so enjoyable the the only bad thing i have to say about this book is that i don't get to read a fourth one immediately right but i'm gonna tell you i don't i'm so jealous that you have that hard copy right in front of you the the three to four the three to four month period of time in between right Mm -hmm. i think is the perfect i mean we we said oh let's read all three of them and we got to read all three of them really quick but for me to go like, oh, I get to read the next one in three months. That's great. Well, we we're, right? tra- we're trade waiters, so normally we'd have right. to wait like twelve a year. Sometimes for some of yeah. them, sometimes they take forever. A, tw- for a those. twelve, a twelve, uh, you know, once once one issue a month arc. Yeah. So we get to we get we got to see it. We got to see it. You know, piece by piece. And so I I am super stoked for the next one. So let's talk like, oh, who do you give this to, Travis? The holidays are coming up, baby. Yeah, I think I, I well, we read um uh Fade Out with Mark Poland. Yeah. Um and you know, he he's really into that kind of stuff. Um and I think like god, this works for film fans. It works for noir right. fans. It works for people who like hard-boiled kind of uh plots. Uh those fans. This is t- comics at the top of their game. And you know, I look back at comics that I love that I, I'm just like, who would I give this to? But this just feels like the, what a great representation for someone who's like, you like comics? And just be like, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't give it, this is a good person, this is a great gift to give to someone our age, late right. 30s, going on 40s, some of us. Oh, it's so <laughs> close, but it's uh, so close. And uh, where it's like, this is what the genre can do. Yeah. You know, something yeah. like Saga, you're like, oh, I, I'll, I can recommend that to one of my graduating seniors. Like, hey, I know you have the summer off. You're like, the last summer. Here's some space don't porn. Don't give, yeah. don't give that to your kids. <laughs> no. No. no, not Saga. Um, <laughs> but no, but I, I totally get you. This is one of those things where like, if you know someone who loves this genre of TV film book, this is this is a great this is a great piece I think of it, it right? I think it crosses genre though I think it's that's just, what I'm saying no yeah no for sure but I yeah. think if you know someone who loves that sort of like who who oh, loves yeah, that's a no brainer yeah yeah who right loves who that, loves that, that genre who's like oh man I, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna like I know that like if you like inherent was, inherent vice that movie right you know right. Like it, I know that Perry Mason, you know, came out recently and it was, it was like set in the depression era, you know, but this is one of those things where it feels you could, someone who really enjoyed that, I think would really enjoy this. Or even um, Harlan yeah. Cobain novels or something, right. those, those thriller books. I think this yeah. works in that sense as well. Uh, yeah. I think this is, you know, am I going to get my mom this for, for Christmas? No, no. But do I think she would hate it? She's seventy-six no. years old. No, she wouldn't hate it. Yeah. If so, you know, my every, you know, when my my I started giving my dad some some comic books before before he passed away. Like I gave him a couple different things to read. Like I was like, "All right, Dad, read Southern Bastards." So he read Southern Bastards. He read some of 
Uh, he read like the first. Um, My compendium. dad read sex criminals. <laughs> <laughs> he read like the first compendium of The Walking Dead. Right, like I was giving him stuff to read. I this would be like dad. Here you go. This, this would be something. No brainer. This I would give this to my dad. This, this would have been something I would have. I, like my dad was a guy I couldn't shop for for Christmas, but I would have been like, "Your dad, here's something I really like." Yeah, I guess you know. my my brother in law likes comic books. He's always like, well, "You know what should I be reading?" He listens to the podcast and stuff like that. Yeah, this would be like one of the ones, the book of the year that I would say give. Like, hey, yeah. read this. I'm going to be honest, Travis. The my one of my favorite books that we've ever read was Sheriff of Babylon. Sheriff of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Those two volumes are comic books, top of their game. Love it. This is this and like this is that this is that next read for me where I'm like, well, dang, this is like comics at top of its game. Yeah. This is a this is a perfect story. This is a perfect sort of like piece of media. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I don't even want to say, like, it's a great comic. It is a great piece of media. This is this goes in, in my top ten for sure. And it has potential to work its way into my top five and my top three if they, if they continue going on on, yeah. on this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I'm so glad we read I, this. And I'm so glad we decided to do the, the, the full, all three of them, full series right? challenge. So I want to, I want to, I want to, before we end, we kind of started with this conversation, but I want to kind of use it as our, our wrap up point. Do you think that this model and and we we've we read some books like this where they just came out in graphic novels from uh, TKO Publishing, right? We did Sarah, um, which didn't really we didn't get an extra one of it, but that was a really great book it we read, right? It. Yeah. Um, but this is that idea of do we just publish graphic novels? What do you think of that as a way? Like. Do you think that that's a formula that you want to see more of? Well, I think Just... that, I, I think it is. I think is it's the next wave. I mean, they've already said like now the publishers are like we're not doing reprints of single issue comics anymore. Yeah, it, you know they, they they've already the, the industries are looking at that. They're like we're not doing this thing. If if it sucks if you're into the collection of single issue comics as an artifact of comic right uh, yeah. as if that's if that is your thing then it, it, this has got to be kind of scary for you, so uh, a publishing model like this. Yeah. But for those of us who love comics as a medium and a way of telling stories with, you could tell these really intricate and sometimes epic stories with just a pencil and paper and the production cost of that, then yeah. this is what we've been dreaming of to happen for a long time. Uh, right. and, I, and I think that I'm really excited about this. It, it makes me look at comics as you know i like to write stuff and and things like that and you, and you think about well comics is it definitely does take its, its own art form as far as how you structure panels right. and you got to work with right. your artists but it 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 just opens up so many possibilities i, I it it lets you know if 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 people like a a, a new comic property and they know they're going to get 3 of them a year that are you know 150 pages somewhere yeah. in that that standpoint they will put out 20 30 40 bucks a pop on those no problem if it's displayed Good, if and bound quality. and quality right. is like that I'm, like you can't I, I, I wouldn't do this for hulk i don't know i don't no. think it works for hulk but it works you're right for individual I, stories I also think like it, I think it also works because both of these, because we know what this artist and this writer do, 
Yeah. Right. Like we mentioned it earlier, this, they have a brand, they have a name, they, they, they create something so that they can do this. I don't know that, but, but you and I are also trade waiters, but that trade waiting is based on the idea yeah. that people really love the single issues of it first. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but Todd Snyder's, like, Todd Snyder's trying to do some interesting stuff when it comes to creator own stuff and like doing that uh, with more like his kind of own uh mm-hmm. creator own stories but it's like but the but format I, I, is, is i will tell you like about. so we we read some joe hill uh books i would joe hill could put out a graphic novel and i would just buy that yeah basketball of heads. i would be okay Love with it. that uh refrigerator full of heads is coming baby okay it's it, it is coming it's here okay. it's a thing all right so i'm in i want to read I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a big june fan i'm in and it is it is june so yeah. uh I'm, I'm, uh, but those are the things where I go like, okay, a creator, once they've kind of, I guess, once you've make your name for it, you can, you can go ahead and like, this is my next thing. Here it is. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do it like this. Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what else I've got left to say on it, except That's go it. read it. Go read Just it. Go, go read buy it. it. Go buy it. Um, and you know what? Just buy all three because you're going to want, you're going to want them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, digital or I, I'm going to get my hard covers. Uh, I read two I, of mine. They're gonna get a lot Kindle. of my money because uh, because I I yeah. bought them on all three on Kindle and I'm gonna buy all three of them in hard copy. Uh, yeah. And then I might even buy the Omnibus, man. That's how much I like I, this book. I I I bought the I bought two of them on uh, digital. I bought uh, Destroy All Monsters on hardcover, and I want the other two in hardcover. And hey, and hey, I, hey I friends, this is also not a book I'm gonna lend out because I like it that much. <laughs> so you can't have it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's not you know, going in. It's not going in a Why the Last Man bucket. Yeah, it's it's that time of year where Travis and I uh, are going to do our yearly uh, Christmas, our comic book Christmas list episode. That'll be coming soon to you. Uh, this probably goes out, I don't know, right as we yeah. record it. My yeah. guess is it goes out. The, like We literally talked about it. It'll go out in a few hours. Happy Sunday to the people in the United <laughs> States if you're listening to it the day it comes out. Uh, we recorded this on Saturday. Uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Oh, you're uh, putting so a lot I of imagine... timetables on this episode, Josh. I am. I am. <laughs> So I, I imagine that uh, probably the next episode might be comic book Christmas list, baby. So I'm, I'm excited. It. I'm excited to put my list together. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. Uh, that's, is, what we, that's what we do during Thanksgiving break. We'll be doing that next yeah. week, Josh. We got four days to schedule a time. It's, it's wild. It's wild. I'm, I'm super excited to do uh, comic book Christmas. And we'll and talk, talk Ghostbusters, too. I, we didn't get to see it. I'm hoping Me to either, go see it But I will see tomorrow. it before we, before we do it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in, folks. You can you can find the show on the website, comicexposure.com, on your favorite podcast app, whether that's uh, Spotify or iTunes, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Google Podcasts, whatever the hell they call them now. They keep changing them. Uh, so you can do that. Find it, listen to it, share it with your friends, uh, find whatever format works best for you. Remember, you can uh, grab yourself a, uh, a shirt uh, from the show. You can go to uh, comicexposure.threadless.com, grab something there. Um, we have some stuff on Amazon. You can check out that stuff. Go, go, go find it. Support the show. Help us keep the podcast lights on. Uh, and Travis and I, we're glad you're here. Glad you're hanging out. And we'll see you next trade. <laughs>